experience, bitch. Hello, and get ready to experience Beige with your hosts, as always, Hugo and Dave. All right, we're going to get right into it. Uh, We're going to be discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 2, and then we'll talk about Discovery Season 3, Episode 4. And so I think Hugo and I, we just mentioned before we started recording, we don't have a ton about the Mandalorian because it was a pretty straightforward episode kind of on the shorter end of things. I, uh, before I get into it too much, I'll just say I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, I'll let you take over Hugo. Cause I, I, I feel like I've talked too much a lot on this podcast <laughs> and then I'll add my comments after you have yours. Yeah. So it's funny, Dave, last week we were talking about how, when the Mando first came out, I was kind of frustrated. I kind of wanted more Epic star Wars and, bigger storylines and eventually I came to appreciate the show uh, for what it was trying to do which was not tell these epic storylines but just kind of tell these these smaller stories uh, and I, I really came to that appreciation after watching uh, episode 9 and kind of realizing there, there can, there's such a thing as too much Star Wars um, but you know season 1 did kind of end in a way that tied everything together very nicely and made you appreciate even those sort of standalone episodes. I thought this week's episode of The Mandalorian, you know, I liked last week's, which was sort of standalone, but it kind of had a bunch of neat things going on with the crate Dragon and the Boba Fett armor and all that. Um, This week's was... You know, I'm I was I'm going to say, you know, jumping ahead to Discovery, I thought Discovery was an excellent homage to 1990s TV TV sci-fi. And I thought this episode of The Mando was not a bad callback to 90s sci-fi because the episode was fine. And I guess my, my ultimate review of the episode is this, that season one of The Mando was eight episodes. And when you have eight episodes to tell your story and you're going to do both self-contained and a larger story, those self-contained episodes need to be compelling. I mean, that you have all your budget for just these eight episodes and all your storytelling skills. Make them count. And if you go back to season one, there are some very good episodes that stand out. The 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 prison ship one in particular for me is a show, episode I yeah. could go back and watch again. Uh, that was a yeah. great episode. And it stands alone. Um, but this one... I thought I, I it was fine, but I, w- I don't see myself going back to watch this episode. And and so to tie it into the 90s TV, you know, back in the 90s when Star Trek was on the air or, you know, the first few series of Next Gen and then Deep Space Nine Voyager, they were you – know, those shows and other network TV shows uh, were 24 episodes long. You know, they had to fill up a whole season with shows. So you would have episodes like this one, a monster of the week, a problem of the week, you know, uh, and the swarm, and if the swarm <laughs> from Voyager, the infamous, <laughs> we'll swarm. have to do a swarm, uh, episode of our podcast. We, we should do ones where we take a classic or not so classic Trek episodes and review them with our, our modern eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought this was like, this was the kind of episode where, you know, if the season was 20, 24 episodes long, cool. That's, I mean, you got to fill it out, right? You got to come up with stories to fill out all those episodes. Uh, nice little episode, scary monster, some neat moments, cool. But when you just have eight episodes, I guess that's the thing. The episode was fine. I'm more just frustrated that they're taking up their precious time with an episode that really didn't didn't change the characters, didn't advance the plot, um, didn't really do anything to expand our knowledge of the Star Wars universe. It it was just, you know, a giant scary monster with cute baby Yoda moments. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of funny. I think I liked the episode a little bit more than you did. Not that I disagree with anything you just said. In fact, I do agree with it. And I think it is, it probably says something, you know, as I've mentioned before, I kind of jot notes down while I'm watching these shows, just so I kind of refresh my memory and just bring things up for the podcast and it probably says something that my 
discovery notes are approximately three times in length as my Mandalorian notes, uh, because you're right, a lot didn't really happen. It's not an episode that's probably going to stick out in the series in retrospect. Um, but I think, I, I guess, I, I mentioned last week that I, it, it's, I'm kind of struggling with uh, with accepting the Mandalorian. Even I have accepted it, but it's been a struggle that it's not as, you know, it doesn't have quite the epic scope that we're used to from Star Wars movies, and it's not trying to. And so I and it's so it's kind of funny because I did like this episode and this was really small in scope and I guess I just liked that you know that once you accept okay this show's just going to do its thing it's just going to tell its standalone episodes I you know now I didn't put the 90s connection but you're right maybe part of the reason I like this might have just been it did remind me of those standalone 90s and it was kind of like a comforting comforting feeling of like oh I remember this kind of episode. And it also really isn't that far from some of what they did in the first season. You know, there are there were standout episodes in the first season, but then there are also episodes I I can't even remember. Like I couldn't tell you in detail because they were kind of just happened and they were kind of, you know, problem of the week type episodes as well. What I did like about this one, given those parameters, it it was pretty tight. It was like a tight well-told story it was like a 40-minute episode um there again there's not a lot happening there's not a lot of consequence that is i don't think is going to impact later on in the season although maybe those pilots come back or maybe the frog lady has you know has more installed than we think but i just like that it was just kind of uh like i said just a tight competent uh episode and you know you kind of what this show reminds me of sometimes is it kind of reminds me of watching somebody else play a video game, which isn't like a knock necessarily because watching people play video games is, is big business now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a thing. Uh, but you know, Mando, if this was a video game, Mando takes the quest and it's just like a boring delivery quest, which is in all sorts of, uh, RPGs and other video games where when you're playing, you're like, oh, this sounds boring. I have to go to like this other system that I'm not actively playing in. It's like that quest to get you into a new part of the map, but it doesn't seem that interesting of a quest. And you're like, uh, I guess I'll do it because the game seems to suggest I'm supposed to do it and I want to be a completist here. So you take it and it's just like a delivery quest. And it's, it, but you know, it, it, but along the way, I think it's kind of, so if you, again, have it in those parameters, I think it was kind of a comforting, like, oh, now we're in an ice cave. Oh, this is kind of like a callback to, um, what was it? What was the second movie? Return, Hoth. Uh, yeah, Hoth. Um, so, you know, kind of a callback to that. And then uh, when they see the little spider eggs, and then I, you know, turned my wife's like, oh, those are going to be little spiders. I mean, they could have been anything, but I just knew it was going to be spiders. And I, I don't know if that, sometimes you don't know if stuff's actually a callback or you're just making it a callback. But I know there was a, um, like an Ewok movie that had like some kind of big, giant, scary spider at some point. And I don't, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. But being slightly arachnophobic as I am, I, that's always stood in my mind. And just the so just the sequence of the spiders uh, uh, running down the hall, uh, the ice caves, and uh, and try, uh, trying to tra they're trampling over each other and trying to catch Mando. Uh, I you know again not of great consequence, but you know but entertaining and kind of like a. Uh, you know, like you said, a, a, sta a standalone 90s sci-fi. So I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but I did find myself just just kind of enjoying going along for the ride with the expectation that the show has kind of already set this up in the first uh, season of like, okay, we're going to have these episodes. And like I've mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast, I kind of like the ability to have the standalone episodes because I think that's, I think that's missing from modern television. I, but I think the the mo the more modern conceit with those types of episodes is to have like components of like the larger overarching story, and those are kind of missing here. So I think maybe that's 
where you and likely others might be disappointed in this episode. It's like, okay, it's a standalone. I get it. But can we have a little, some more peeks into where the season's really going? Because this, you could probably take this, ep- and we'll see, maybe I'm wrong, but you could probably take this episode out of the season and the larger story arc is probably not going to, you know, miss anything. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say the video game thing because um, like <laughs> there were parts where I had that, like I, I laughed when, when, uh, he gets the he gets the delivery mission basically yeah. like pick, you know go to the bar pick up your quest here's an icon over the npc okay what's the quest deliver this character uh it's just a delivery quest okay i'll just fast travel fast travel disabled for this mission like, yes yes <laughs> um and you know season one i mean i i definitely had that thought season one i know other people did too season one was uh the the first few levels of an rpg campaign right like what was season one like Oh, you got to get, you know, got to get this, this new piece of equipment. Oh, you got to level up and get your jetpack. Oh, you got to get your Durasteel armor. And um, so so there were definitely episodes of season one that felt video gamey as well. I wonder I think... if, the, if Mando was like, if he had moments off screen that we didn't see where he needed to reach something really high. And he's like, oh, if only I had my jetpack. And then later he came back after he got his jetpack. He, he could now access that area. That's right. <laughs> Mando is a Metroidvania <laughs> TV show. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think besides the thing that I said, like, if it was like a longer season, it would have been fine. I, you know, I think it also like you know Trek now has these Trek shorts that CBS All Access does where they just do these sort of little standalone shorter um, tales sometimes with the main characters sometimes with their own uh, stories in the universe. If this episode had been like a twenty minute like side tale, I think I would have been like, oh that was that was neat, man that was a cool little show. Um, so it's just that it's like the, the the episode was fine as I keep saying. Uh, it was just more. You know, I I just hope for more in in the few episodes we're getting. But like you said, you know, season one was like this, and and season one definitely built up towards a finale that that became more epic and drew things together. So I'm I'm pretty sure they're going there based on you know the casting leaks we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I have hope. It was more just uh just that. I will say, you know, one thing that does do that's nice, that is modern storytelling, TV storytelling. And, and breaking away from 90s. You know, if you think back to the 90s, a lot of shows were built from the ground up for syndication, for reruns. And so they would all be designed so that you could just watch any episode out of context of, of the of the season or the series and, and have it stand alone uh, to the point where, you know, not just sci-fi shows, but a lot of shows were notorious for the characters never changing, right? I mean, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, no one ever changed or progressed uh, so that, you know, audiences could tune in and watch any episode without being confused or lost. And I will say in this episode, as much as it stands alone as a story, I did like the callback at the end to the consequences of Mando's actions in season one, right? To the, to the prison uh, ship episode, actually, mm-hmm. where this episode definitely tied that back and acknowledged its own previous storytelling, acknowledged that there were consequences to the decisions he made, both, both bad at first, you know, where, He's this wanted outlaw, and and also good for him in that um, that he's basically forgiven by these rebel pilots for because he he chose to do good things while on that ship. Um, you know, speaking of nitpicks though, uh, I did think <laughs> I, I don't know, Dave. I found this episode also had some pretty cold, uh, <laughs> uncomfortable actions from characters. Um, Baby Yoda, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, Baby Yoda, <laughs> but those pilots. Like, they come and rescue him from the big spider, and you're like, oh, okay, they're going to arrest him now. And then they're like, but you know what? It turns out you uh, you captured some wanted criminals. You try to defend the uh, security guard. So we're fine. And then he's like, oh, cool. So you're going to help me get off this sh- this planet? They're like, nah, we're out. <laughs> it's and like, he could, like, barely pilot the thing out of there. Like, and, it, and, and, and to the naked eye, it looked broken. The ship looked broken. Yes. I mean, I don't know... It's like thanks for rescuing me from the spider, but now I'm gonna freeze to death. I, I just thought that was pretty. It was weird. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I didn't get like why they couldn't just help him. But yeah, you know, jumpstart. You know, just hey, the 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 Star Wars equivalent of like, can you help me at least jumpstart my ship or something? Yeah, I mean, you're here. Just, it's, I don't think this is gonna. You've already done the the hard part. You killed the spider thing. Right. Like, help me a little bit more. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, Baby Yoda. I, 
every time he ate an egg, I just I, it was. I understand. I, yes, they were not fertilized eggs, so it's it's kind of like eating chicken eggs. But they were not fertilized eggs of this sentient being yeah. who has told us already that yeah. this is the end of her line. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't just a one-off. He ate like five of them that we saw. That we saw. Yeah, uh, both my wife and I were a little uncomfortable by that. Uh, you know, but they did give, I think they just wanted to give Baby Yoda kind of something to do after uh, underutilizing. I'm going to, I keep saying him just because everybody's calling it Yoda and Yoda was uh, a male, but I, it could be a female, right? We don't know. It's, yeah, we actually know don't know. They've never clarified it. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had the same thought, and and also the I don't know if the mom was just chill about it or she didn't know how many eggs she had. You would think she knew would know exactly how many eggs she has because she like stressed the importance of them. So maybe she was just like, I can't get mad at this cute baby Yoda, but I think I would have been pretty mad, or, or kept <laughs> it very close to to your person. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think um, you know now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, one of the, I think one of the reasons I like this episode, because I'm, I'm thinking to how this episode opened, that I actually w- was worried about the episode, and it opened with uh, another kind of group of criminals trying to steal Baby Yoda, which I appreciate because it's it's bringing back the notion that uh, Baby Yoda is still you know a high profile target, but. It, and I, I and it was kind of funny with the jetpack and how he kind of won up to the 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 guy who had the drop on him, but I I was just kind of like, is this is this going to be another episode of like him just tr- trying to fight off uh, bounty hunters and mercenaries trying to steal Baby Yoda? Because that was kind of like what the whole first season was, and but I think it was just a reminder that this is still a thing. And then it went into a totally different episode. I think that's part of why I liked the episode a little bit more because it made that transition into kind of, you know, even though it's perhaps not the most original plot in the in the world, I think it was unique so far to the show. So it felt like, oh, okay, they're stranded in an ice cave and there's like a monster in there, you know, not nothing too surprising, but the show hasn't done exactly that yet. So I've, you know, I was kind of more willing to go along uh, on the ride. Well, let me nitpick that opening though. Um, You know, I'm I'm glad they didn't do another, oh, they're trying to capture baby Yoda. But so he gets ambushed in a very low tech way. Which yes. is fine. I mean, that's Star Wars. That's... Hey, it worked for Star Wars. For a Star Wars bit. makes the low tech right. Um, my main problem was okay. His bike gets destroyed. Sucks. He takes them out, and then he just walks in the desert. It's like, wait a minute. There were three of them. They had to have gotten to this ambush point somehow. Yes. <laughs> Where's their transportation that we did not see destroyed or? <laughs> anything done to um so that was number one and number two yeah i'm pretty sure walking through the tatooine double sun desert in that armor carrying all that stuff would kill you like i don't think you would make it very far yeah and you know i think this is just the if this were a video game this is like the end game highest level armor because it saved his life more times than i can count he just i don't know if he's just sloppy or he's just like because he gets hit all the time with like blaster fire and stuff, or he's just like he he adjusts for that because he knows that they can hit his armor and it's not going to kill him. Because he would be dead many times over without the armor, and so maybe now it doesn't appear to be so. Although he does have the vision, you know, where he can see like heat signatures and stuff, so it is kind of more high tech than it looks like from the outside. Maybe it has some sort of like where it can help him in the heat, where it kind of monitors and adjusts like the temperature inside his armor or something i yeah. i mean that's kind of yeah. what you have to bring to right. it i guess you have to write that in <laughs> but so, i okay i'll go ahead yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna go i had some nitpicks did you still have some no go for it go for it Jump okay it. so and then we'll rate it okay then we'll rate it so just a couple of quick nitpicks or this one's not a nitpick but i i kind of liked the the x-wing uh in, encounter at the beginning or near the beginning because it's just like okay the rebels have won and now they're like bureaucrats 
And they're just like, <laughs> just kind of, they're not quite the villains, but they're just like, hey, I'm just doing my job, man. You know, <laughs> we're just, we're just checking your license and registration. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, actual pilots do now. Yeah. So not really nitpick, but I just thought that I, I kind of enjoyed that. Uh, a couple of nitpicks though. Now there, I don't know all about Star Wars tech and Star, Star Wars is more kind of like science fantasy more than it's science, you know, a hard science fiction. And I get that. And I actually, you know, love that about it. It's not trying to be too complicated, but if they're going to an adjacent star system, they're going to another system and they're, and they don't have like there, he said, it's less, it's, it's sub light speed. That would take forever. Like it would take years. It would take years. Our nearest, and on Earth, and granted, Star Wars could be different. Uh, it, our nearest like solar st- star system to us is like four light years away. That's four years at light speed. This is sublight, so it's gonna you know it's gonna take years. And he's just like settle in, you know, so it's gonna be a long journey. Yeah, it's gonna take you years. This is like I mean, obviously the show doesn't expect you to care about those things but i just like i because he made a mention of it a, a couple of times and then especially after the ship is like broken down and he's like settle in you know a couple of times settle in it's going to be a long journey it's like yeah i hope you have enough food to last you the multi-year <laughs> trip that this is going to take and all they had to do was say another planet in the system yeah, that would have been system, better. But they, they yeah. clearly said another system, and it's like, uh, how close are star systems in the Star Wars galaxy? Yeah. Uh, and then my other nitpick, and then we'll rate it, is I just thought this was funny. So Baby Yoda goes and eats the, the baby spider, which then, for some reason, triggers all of them hatching. And then, like, all of them, and especially Mandalorian, is just watching them all hatch and start, like, scurrying around. And he's like this is interesting. Let's see what happens here. Like, no, even if it's just the babies, there's like hundreds of these eggs. Why don't you start getting a head start on running back to your ship right now instead of just watching them? It's like, hmm, uh, let's see where this goes. You know, it's just, it, was just it might just be a fascinating observation of, of, of native animal life. It's like, um, no, run. <laughs> All right, let's uh, rate it. How, how many bees did you experience? All right. And just for our listeners uh, to remember, beige is Klingon for pain or punishment. So zero beige is a perfect episode, and ten beige is unwatchable because <laughs> yes. it's a too couldn't, painful to couldn't finish. Couldn't finish it. Too much pain <laughs> involved. Uh, you know, I think this is four beige. Um, not because, again, any which which you know, not because of any major problems or anything. It's more just. It, I don't think it, it stands up on repeated viewing as an interesting episode. I, I enjoyed it the first time, but um, I really can't imagine watching it again. So, You know, and this, this again, as we say, because our rating system is flawed, but it, nobody cares how we rate these things anyway. So, so it's, we enjoy it, so that's all that matters. But I had very little actual beige in this episode because I thought, like I said, I thought it was enjoyable, and even though it was, you know, didn't have a... There, there's not a significant impact going forward as far as I could tell. So so that in mind, I get I get your rating because you're factoring in the fact that this is kind of not an important episode. But I'm going to give it two just based on the the fact that I, I it was kind of like a popcorn episode, you know, where yeah. you're just like, oh, this is kind of entertaining. It's just kind of doing this little this little side quest. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. So I, I gave it two. You give it four. So let's go ahead and uh, move on to the thing that I think we're going to have more to say because this was, to me, a jam-packed episode of Discovery, uh, season three, episode four. Uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. I, I'm going to hand it over to you again because I like this setup. So then make sure you – I don't uh, – Hog the, the time too much. We uh, I, I thought it was great. I, I actually thought, you know, for an episode, you know, last week we were kind of praising Mandalorian for being more modest in um, its storytelling. And Discovery has had this problem since the beginning where it tries too hard to be epic all the time. 
right? It's always got the music soaring. It's always got the the action going and the special effects blasting, and and everyone's just feeling big emotions. And I thought this episode had a lot going on, but but it was all storytelling stuff. It was all character driven moments, um, and there were the stakes insofar as they were there were for the a plot you know really can you get this trill um back to her 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 back to knowing her own identity or its own identity um and and for the b plot with the crew can this crew come together and 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 be well and that's it those were the stakes i mean i guess you could say the stakes were also can we connect with the admiral's memories to know where starfleet is but I was really pleasantly surprised that Discovery just slowed down and just focused on its characters. And I thought it worked so well. I, 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 there was, there was so, you know, the episode to me, I think is the one that feels the most like of, of all, of all Discovery. And again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying it's my favorite episode of Discovery, but I do think it's probably the best written episode of Discovery. I think it felt more than any other episode like a classic 90s Star Trek episode. It it stood on its own. It had a strong A plot. It had a strong B plot. They tied together. Um, and, and, and it told an interesting story. You could go back and watch this episode in isolation and, and get the main story just fine. Uh, but at the same time, it's also moving the larger plot forward. Um, it, it, you know, uh, towards 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 discovering where Starfleet is, so I I think what I'll just say is, even the the things I would normally nitpick or have problems with, um, for example, the the trills, the way they reacted, how simplified their government was, and there was the bad advisor and the good advisor, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you know they get ambushed and it's so easy for Michael to beat them up, and then they go to these caves. I mean, even that stuff, I didn't have a problem with it because. That's how 90s Trek was written. That's how the original series was written, right? Like it was all just kind of very simplified, quick, um, quickly resolved sort of barriers um, to get the story moving. Uh, so I, I, I thought it was really uh, a good episode. I, I thought um, I also thought the the B plot with the crew sort of experiencing basically post traumatic stress disorder and Saru trying to figure out how to deal with them. I thought that was a nice plot to see in a Star Trek episode. You know, Roddenberry famously wanted no conflict with his crew. He thought he thought in the future humanity would have moved beyond that, and so he did not want to show any conflict amongst amongst his crew. And Deep Space Nine uh, sort of started showing some of that. But Voyager, I know I keep harping on how this season of Discovery is basically a Voyager reboot, but that was Voyager's premise. People forget Voyager had two premises. Premise one was a, a ship lost, you know, out in the um, in the uh, Delta Quadrant and having to come home and how do you deal with that? But also a mixed crew of Federation and Maquis who are at odds with each other. And so we're going to see tension among the crew for the first time in a Trek episode, in a Trek series. And that went away really, really fast. Uh, but here we finally got to see, like, these people acting like, like normal people, like getting stressed out, getting upset. Uh, and, you know, we've seen some of it. I mean, Stamets, of course, has always been kind of a jerk to people. Uh, but to just see the whole crew having these emotions and these conflicts, I thought was 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 a great, a great way to show their characters and show how they deal with stress. Uh, I also liked that the episode focused on the bridge crew. You know, we've been harping about how this series has done a terrible job of that historically. And this season has been getting better about it. And and here we had an actual episode where we saw all the bridge crew together. I mean, to the point where I didn't even know the uh the um Linus is his name, the the sort of lizard alien. I didn't know he was bridge crew, but <laughs> I don't I think the show knew he was bridge crew until they figured, hey, he's kind of cool looking. He can be in this meeting. Let's right. <laughs> let's have, let's have an alien in our in our show about you know lots of alien species coming together, um, which is a whole another topic. We'll have to rant about sometime. So I don't know. What do you think, Dave? I I thought it was uh, a great episode. I for a lot of the same reasons you said, uh, but I'm gonna repeat what you said about uh, or reiterate uh, about the ver- the strong A and B plotline structure, which this show doesn't 
tend to use a lot, and I'm not saying that's the greatest way to write something. I'm just saying that's a very Star Trek thing, especially, you know, next generation. I, I can't speak for original series a lot because, uh, you know, it's not really in my wheelhouse. But next gen on, it's very, there's, I mean, every episode is basically A plot and B plot. And so I kind of like that, you know, that they went to that because I think it does work for Star Trek shows because it allows you to focus on different parts of the crew. And one of... Uh, I did. I mean, I th I think it worked how they split it up. I was a little disappointed that these splits so far in this season almost always seem to be Michael and then everybody else. Because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I know Michael's essentially the lead character here, and that's just kind of how the show is structured. So I don't want to keep harping on it, but it just doesn't feel like Star Trek when they do that. And I, I kind of find myself. I found myself wondering, you know, because, well, let me, before I get to that, because it's related to my point, I I liked how much the Doctor was in this episode. The Doctor was really, like, leading the, uh, the, the, the leading force of kind of both plot lines. He kind of sets off uh, the plot line down to Trill, and then he's getting kind of trying to help everybody work through their trauma in the other uh, plot line. And he was originally the one who was going to go down to the planet. And I found myself wondering him, you know, him in this case, or maybe if it was a different character, why can't we have that? Why can't we have, and again, I like that the, the doctor was featured more in this episode, but why can't he go down to the planet and be the, the co-lead uh, with, with the Trill character um, in that plot line? Well, the show just refuses to do that. So, of course, Michael kind of has to be, be the lead of her own plot line. And it's fine. It's just, I, I like Michael. I like the actress. It's not a complaint about any of that. It's just, can we, let's, let's do more with the with the with the rest of the crew and i can't really complain this is a, a, a like a odd episode to complain about that because they did have the complete other plot line about the the rest of the crew but again it's just like the everybody else storyline um with that said i thought they did handle it really well because everybody kind of had their moment and it was an interesting point of view to get at you know because i think any Starfleet ship would have these kinds of stressors going on, but obviously this crew is in an uh, extraordinary situation. But even uh, Next Gen, you know, had Counselor Troy, so they've always had this kind of aspect of like uh, that this would be an an issue um, in, even in the future, where you know Roddenberry might not have wanted their crew to have conflicts among each other, but you know at least he seem to realize that people would still have issues that they would need to work out. Um, so I, so I, I, I really enjoyed that they did that, but I feel like the show can do in even more. So I hope, hopefully this is a step in the direction of, of fleshing, of continuing to flesh out the rest of the crew. Yeah. I've, I mean, I'll admit I've kind of been bracing myself. I've liked the first few episodes, but I've kind of been bracing myself for it to go back to old, old bombastic, <laughs> <laughs> action-packed discovery and i i'm also very hopeful I, I think this show gave me a lot of hope that the writers and the producers have figured it out and um, figured out how to be a star trek series while still doing their own thing and how to focus on the characters in, in a meaningful way that expands 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 our understanding beyond just michael but into the other um, crew I, I thought it was very well done. You know, speaking of the A and B plot too, the other thing I really appreciated was, because uh, because Next Gen didn't always do this, where you know where where the themes synced up. Like sometimes Next Gen would yeah. sync them up, but sometimes they would just be their own toodle stories. I, I thought it was kind of neat how unexpected it was unexpected for me. I didn't I didn't see it coming. How the A and B both came together at the end when the AI for the ship uh, sort of activated yes. and became its own entity. And then, so you have this A plot with like, you know, the trill and it's trying to, so the, you have the trill, right? The, the symbiote and its host. Um, and, and the, the host is trying to take care of, of the symbiote, the organism that's inside it. Right. Um, 
uh, going to trail, going into the pool, trying to reconnect. And then it ended up that the B plot, you know, which we thought was just about the crew, ended up being the host, the ship's AI, also trying to take care of the the people, the entities that depend on it, that live in it to survive. And I was like, oh, wow, that was really well written. Well, well done, writer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I, I liked that bo in both the culminations of each plot line, I thought were, were really well done. I mean, obviously, you could argue that the one with the crew was a little rushed because by the end of the episode, they kind of patch everything up. But, you know, whatever. I don't need my Star Trek to have, like, <laughs> like angst that lasts, like, on the entire season. Uh, but, there, you know, and that probably will boil up again. I'm not saying everything's fixed. Um, but, I, I, you know, I like, like you said, I like how the, the AI is helping to, to bring the crew together and they kind of come together to... Uh, I don't know that they would be watching something that old, but, uh, you know, I get it. It's probably free use at this point. Uh, but, that you know, TVs and shows always do that. It's like something that's even old for us. It's like really, really old for like, the like hundreds of years into the future. But I like that they kind of came together and did something. You know, it's not something you see in star trek a lot they're kind of watching a movie basically whereas you know usually it's kind of like everybody doing their own thing on the holodeck um and then in the other plot line at first i was a little like kind of disappointed by uh adira is what i wrote yeah, down adira uh, adira kind of going into the pools and you know it's hard to to visualize like internal thoughts and memories and it's you know to do that in a satisfactory way i thought they did a good enough job i think really ultimately the problem was that we don't know this character at all we just met her last episode and i get she doesn't have her memory so we there's not a lot we can know about her yet but then it's introducing uh her boyfriend character and so i in other words i thought when it was when she was going in there, we're going to like the point of it was we're going to meet all of her past hosts and we're going to meet all these different characters, but it really focused on her memories of how did she become the host, which focused on that, you know, her boyfriend died and then she had to take over, which, you know, I, I think that's interesting to have, um, a ho like have a previous host who was like your significant other. I think yeah. that's actually very fascinating, but I guess I was, was expecting more but i in a, in other words i i understand why they did that so you can see um immediately what happened happened leading up to her becoming a host i guess it just fell a little flat because we don't know this character so the like gravitas of her losing her boyfriend in this manner didn't hit me as well as much as I think it was going for because like I don't even know this character I don't know this new character that you're introducing through memories um, but I will say once all of the hosts came in and they're basically we accept you and it was this like circle of hosts coming together and now that like the character is leveling up this was also very RPG-esque like I unlocked memories which is a way to level up in some games you know uh, <laughs> and I that I found like rousing and like oh this is cool she's she's whole again with her host because I think trills are just a fascinating species so it, you know it's cool to see more of them and you know then the the warring factions on trill come together too it's like okay the, uh we we see the error of our ways this is our our future here um so i did kind of i i felt it really worked in both plot lines the kind of of where the plot goes by the end of the episode yeah and uh, yeah and that, the other, and i also like the mystery i don't know if where they're going to go with this because um uh, we still haven't seen the communications guy from the first episode. I guess he's just not on the crew. I, maybe I misread that situation. It sounded like she was uh, Burnham was offering him a place on the ship, but I guess the, not. You mean the future Federation guy, the guy who was his whole life was just waiting yeah. for a signal? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like, hey, we could use you. And but it sounds like, like he's just manning that post. I would guess he's just that's his job now to keep manning that post. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. I misread Although, it as being like, you're part of the crew now. You know what's strange to me, though, speaking of that guy, he, when she asked him to search for Discovery, 
he said, "I'm fine. I'm only detecting two Starfleet Starfleet ships in the area, mm-hmm. and none of them are Discovery." And she's like, "Oh, that's too bad." And then it skips to a year later, and she's like, "I've been searching for the Federation." Yes. I've been, and it's like, "What about those two Starfleet ships?" Yes. What, did you ever go talk to that? Like, it. I just. I, I, all these episodes, I've just been wondering, like, what about those? She two forgot to read her quest journal. That's right. There's these two quests outstanding. Yeah, Michael. outstanding quest. You gotta You're get not going to get 100 percent completion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I. Well, okay. So I guess I just misread the sh- misread the show's intentions with that character because I thought it was like, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, oh, we're gonna get like a blended crew from the different timelines and stuff. So anyway, the only reason I bring him up is because then they kind of tease that the the boyfriend who's now in her memories but kind of exists, she can kind of see him in, in the waking world, so to speak. Like, is that going to be an ongoing feature of the character? Because that could be kind of interesting, kind of like a Babylon, uh, not Babylon 5, Battlestar Galactica, where you had the... Um, Gosh, I'm now Gaius, but I don't remember who the his, his like mental girlfriend character was. Wasn't name. it five? Five, so, yeah, something like. Let's just say five. <laughs> uh, where you know that was a, a a big part of the show and that character is like the kind of like does this person really exist or not? And obviously we know that oh, it was that six. Character, it was six. Caprica six, right? Six. six. Six sounds sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but, you know, kind of along those lines. So is that something we're going to explore or is it just kind of like the kind of the capper to the to the end of the episode? Just like th- these characters have a strong connection. So they're and it's the most recent host. So therefore, they can kind of they have a stronger tie there. I don't know. But well, and I hope for Adira, I hope the show doesn't do what it's been doing with characters it adds and even with characters it's had. Right. Like we still don't know who the chief engineer is I in, in that bridge crew meeting. I, th- there was no chief engineer. Um, Jet Reno is on the show. Is yeah, a regular. she wasn't in there. Was she? Wasn't she in was. The... I don't. I don't remember her in there. Yeah. Um, and they've never really defined what her. Just, just say she's the chief engineer. Show. Yes, just, just, just say do that. It. Like, just. You just might say not that. care about this stuff, but I'm guarantee you, Star Trek fans do. They care yes. about who <laughs> has which post on the starship. And so, yeah. So, like, they just needed to find that in particular. Um, I think they needed to find the. I think it's Doctor Pollard. Um, is is, is oh, Doctor yes. Colbert? I, I think I think she's the CMO, but like, they've never said that. Like, that is also weird. Now that you bring it up, I was like, which one is the chief? Medical she's she's here. clearly Colbert's superior. I think they've established that in the past, but like they've never shown anyone else or above her. So establish that. Um, but also Adira, you know, she was she was an admiral in a previous life, and now she's part of the crew. Like I hope they and it doesn't have to happen next episode. But like again, define her role. Give her an official role on the ship. Like if she's gonna be part of the crew give her a role on the ship like define it don't just have her hanging out and never defining it show like just give people their jobs so we know what they're supposed to be doing yes please <laughs> all right so i got a couple of kind of nitpick sort of things um this isn't really a nitpick and i i don't want to belittle like uh like post traumatic stress disorder or anything but i was i was thinking they were doing more with the detmer storyline um where what it basically comes down to is she's like stressed out uh, by piloting the ship because everybody is like in her hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, again, I don't want to belittle that. And that obviously flowed into this episode, but I thought there was more going on there because they were like, have dropped little breadcrumbs. And then they like in the previously on thing, they've, they've featured that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that was just my. Th- I thought something was going on with her implant or something. But how how reassuring would it be for Discovery to just not, not do, do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not have actually like she's having like human problems and not like a plot device. Right. Or or my big fear was oh control snuck into her implant. I, yes, I now the- <laughs> was thinking something like that. Like she's don't being do that, Discovery. Somehow, yeah. Right. Just just don't do that. Yeah, so I guess I can't really complain because they they built up to this episode, which is something that they don't. It's not really their strong suit in previous seasons either. Things just kind of happen. So yeah. I, I so I can't really complain about. It. I just I guess I just thought it was going somewhere else. No, I get you. Um, this is more of a nitpick though. 
why was Saru not at all freaked out that the computer is like has a, a totally different personality? Like I know we we hear him say like, oh, this was the uh, gosh, what is the thing called that? How did he phrase it? The the knowledge collector or whatever. Yeah, I forget how it has a term, but uh, I, this is it's like its personality on the ship and it's you know i get so he obviously knew something was going on but in the moment and he's just talking to the ship and all of a sudden this other ai essentially takes over and it's like what about this and i have a different voice and everything and he's just like tell me more computer <laughs> so i think i would have been a little freaked out by that by that at least in the moment of it happening. and he's like run a diagnostic and it's like i'm fine and he's like okay that's okay. cool <laughs> yeah but people who have watched the standalone treks, the short treks um, from last uh, season, uh, there was an episode that was even further in the into the future than where we're at now, and it was uh, an uh, discovery, basically an intelligent discovery. Um, the crew is missing, and then this human character gets onto the ship, and it's basically a relationship between the AI and the human as the human recovers and it's the same AI or at least it has the same voice i'm assuming that's the same the same AI so i was wondering ever since i saw that episode the little short because i thought it was a really interesting short it's like are we going to tie back into this or is this kind of a standalone thing is discovery going to become like this AI this um and that's going to tie into this later short, and it seems to be going in that direction, which I think is cool to have a self-aware ship. And and also that that show was set, I don't know, like a thousand years in the future or something. And I remember wondering, like, how is the ship going to survive for so long? Well, now we know. Like yes. the ship's already very close in time to where that episode was set. So that was a nice that was a nice yeah connection to that. I also thought just to jump into, there was a nice callback to what the ship did to to have them watch movies. Um, to oh, Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise in Enterprise, that was a, a thing that the crew would often do to to relax. Would be watch classic um, Earth films, and I, I thought it was a nice. Again, I, I felt like this episode just whoever wrote it really knew their trek in a very nice, positive way. Yeah, and and like and it was also kind of a callback to that short because and it's been a, I only saw it once and it was a while ago, but I think because it. Because the short kind of reminded me of Wally a little bit because because the AI was like I think it showed the human who was recovering some like old timey yeah, movies or right. something which yep. is kind of what they do in Wally and so that's already established in the you know AI character AI's character that hey let's watch these old timey black and white shows and movies and stuff so so that wasn't out of nowhere if you had seen that short. Um, all right, and I, the the only thing else I'll say, and this is kind of a nitpick uh, slash uh, an unanswerable question, but how do you? Who was the first trill like humanoid trill who discovered that there's these that there's they can have a symbiotic relationship with like the slug trill things because. It's always been like a medical procedure to get these things inside the host, and it seems like it's a pretty big deal to to accomplish this safely. And I, it seems like they have to cut them open, like cut open the abdomen and put them inside. Like in other words, it it doesn't seem like this giant slug thing could naturally like get into a host. Like what? What is the history of this like relationship? It's I've always wondered about this because it just seems so like dependent on medical practices. Like, but at some point, somebody had to have been like, "Wow, this thing is like attaching to me, and I can I have now this like second life inside of me." But anyway, unanswerable question, I guess. <laughs> um, all right, that's. Uh, did you have anything? Uh, the only other thing I had is that you know, uh, wasn't uh, Odo was a host at one point in Deep Space Nine, right? Or he was Odo? like Curzon. Oh no, he was like he was the embodiment of Curzon. That's what it was. Remember that episode when he didn't want to go back to being Odo because now he had Curzon, who's like this cool dude who like everybody likes. I'm forgetting that episode. <laughs> it's like an episode. Like uh, I think Jadzia ha was having a problem with uh, with the symbiote, and she I forget exactly the details. Oh, but 
yeah, But the yeah, different yeah. crew members, I think, had to take on the personalities of That's previous right. hosts. And Odo took it on. Yes. Okay. I was remembering, man, remember Next Gen, Riker was a human host temporarily for a trill. Okay. That might have been where I was, because I, I knew it had happened, and I, my mind went to the Odo one, but I don't think he was actually a host. He was just like hosting, for lack of a better word, right. the memories of Curzon. Yeah. And the personality of Curzon. But yeah, okay, so there was the one where Riker was a host. Because I knew this has happened, because they're like, this has never happened in the history of... Yes. Uh, I, think this, I remember this happening. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure a human has been. I went and looked it up, and it was Riker. That's right. It was Riker who... who it was Dr. Crusher fell, fell for uh, this ambassador who, was, who turned out to be Trill, and then the symbiote had to be placed in Riker uh, temporarily, and, and it caused these weird feelings. Okay, that, yes. That sounds familiar. Okay. Anyway, all right. So we both liked it. But the question is, how many beige do you give it? You know, this was this was a good episode. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I I think I think later on I'll go back and probably give it two beige or three beige. But right now I'm gonna give it one beige just because just because it's it's kind of funny. I feel like my ratings for both Mandalorian and Discovery this week are not based on the the pain I felt watching the episodes, but on the the psychic pain or lack of pain of the expectations I had for the episode. You know, Mando is a fine episode, but I expected more. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I got four Bs. And I feel like Discovery, I was expecting worse. I was expecting the show to start going back towards its bad habits, and it didn't. Uh, so I felt very relieved. So I'm, I'm going to give it one beige. I, I thought it was a good episode, and I think it bodes very well for the rest of the season that they show this level of restraint in their storytelling and also this level of focus on the other characters. I The, uh, the number of beige that I had in mind before you said anything was also one. So I'm going to give it a one for uh, some of the same reasons. And also just while I was watching it, and I kind of said when we started discussing it, this feel, felt like a really impactful, important episode. Not only was it done well, but both storylines, assuming that they carry this forward, seemed important. And even while I was watching it, I was like, there's a lot going on in this episode. There's no, there was no filler. It was like, it's, if something was happening, it, it seemed like it was important to the characters involved in both plot lines, because obviously, you know, had one character trying to essentially become healthy again and uh, lock into their, their previous uh, hosts and memories. And then the other plot line you had, uh, every character was uh, for, you know, very realistic reasons, I feel, had all these issues bubbling to the surface. Now, again, you could argue that it maybe was a little rushed, like maybe they, although they did it with Detmer. Like, so I guess, well, in other words, when, the, you know, uh, Tilly and Stamets kind of arguing, they kind of like argued and then they patch it up kind of all in one episode and stuff. But regardless of that, it felt like they're, they're dealing with something that, should be dealt with in uh, in this plot line, and I think they did it in a way that was kind of surprising to me because the show doesn't normally, at least in the past, slow down to deal with the ramifications of its of yeah. its actions. And yeah. so I like I like that it did that. So I'm I'm giving it one beige as well. Wow. So I uh, hope you enjoyed these episodes and hope you enjoyed us talking about them. Uh, uh, join us again next week and we'll, we'll be talking about uh, season two, episode three of The Mandalorian and season three, episode five of Star Trek Discovery. Thanks for listening. Of all the starships, in all the galaxies, in all the universes, I had to choose this one. Wow.